Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell on this Thursday, 17th of February, 2022. Trust you're doing exceptionally well wherever you happen to be in this wonderful big world of ours and helping your team become exceptional in their results and uh, also helping you in the process become exceptional by helping those results become sustainable and replicable because when that happens, amazing things take place, such as you get a lot more meaning in the world of sales leadership. You certainly got a lot more satisfaction, significantly more levels of fulfillment. And guess what? Your bank account starts to explode as well. Not that this is what that's about, but um, it's, uh, it's a wonderful byproduct of becoming an exceptional sales leader. So in today's podcast episode, you're going to talk about a very fascinating topic. And it's a topic that a lot of sales leaders uh, deal with on a daily basis. It's something that I've dealt with for many, many years and still deal with to some degree dealing with sales leaders today, and certainly in big corporates. Now, this doesn't necessarily just lend itself to big corporates. Uh, it just so happens that I have spent most of my time in my career uh, working in and with large corporates, but it can equally apply to small, medium enterprises and uh, even smaller than that. And that is the conversation around uh, managing or leading, and I, I like to say influencing Upwards. Now, this comes from a request that I got uh, from one of the listeners, and uh, I won't reveal his name yet, but I'll give him a shout out towards the end of the episode. But I want to talk about this topic in the context of a challenge that many sales leaders face. And look, it's not just related to sales. It's also a lot of leaders face this challenge as well. And, and that is, how do I manage effectively upwards? Now, if if I reflect back on my career, there were many years running sales teams either at Optus or at Telstra, where we would dread what the new KPIs, policies, procedures, targets would be coming on from up on high. Uh, because targets would be set at a board level, there'd be certain requirements that needed to happen at a company level, and there was this level of trepidation that often existed uh, in relation to what the targets were going to be, what the new KPIs were going to be. Because we, in many cases, just come off a year where we had literally squeezed as much toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube as we possibly could. There was literally nothing left. And yet, the expectation was we have to do that plus X percent this year. And not only that, they expected a a quick start to the financial year. So in many cases, there was this feeling of there's a disconnection here between uh, us in the sales force, us in the sales leadership group, and the senior executives making these decisions. Now, I understood that they needed to make decisions based on the the future of the organization, and they had to make certain recommendations to shareholders and to the market as to the growth of the organization, which does impact things like share price, and I get all that. Uh, But it was really, really frustrating to not necessarily have any direct or what was perceived direct input into what those KPIs and what those policies, procedures and targets would ultimately look like. And this is where a lot of the us versus them mentality starts to flow in to any organization, not just into a sales organization. Uh, But the expectation was often going to be, well, you know what, this is the target. 
you guys are in the sales force, you're there to sell, go and do what you do best and don't argue. And so there was this this <laughs> this feeling of, okay, we'll be good little soldiers. We'll go and uh, we'll go and do what we do best, and we'll work our butts off to do it. But interestingly, there was a number of years there where the and let's just I'll just put it on the table that the targets, the expectations were probably beyond the realms of common sense. Uh, they were very aspirational, but based on the circumstances, based on the environment at the time, based on the product and services mix that we had. And I've got to say, probably based on the capability of our ability as a company to deliver it, uh, it was beyond the realms of possibility. And yet, the conversations that would happen throughout the year from the senior executives, it wasn't, hey, how are you guys tracking? How can we help you? It was, why aren't you hitting the target? Pull out all stops to do what needs to be done or else. And so it was this command and control. I'm going to bring the stick out and whack you around the head. And any wonder there were people within our organization that were very cautious as to how they would deal with those particular conversations and very, very cautious to the point where they would often uh, not put their hand up, not give feedback, not uh, have a conversation with somebody who they needed to because of fear of retribution. Now, you don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to understand that for the people who didn't have the, let's just put it out there, the courage to have that conversation, to push back, to challenge why these targets, why these numbers, why these policies are in place. If we didn't challenge that, then the result would be the result and more times than not, we would not hit the targets. We would get reamed and the culture started to implode. And that's not what we want. So I'd like to think from the context of managing upwards, there's two types of organizations that we can ultimately deal with in terms of the leadership, the senior leadership, I guess, group. On the one hand, you're going to have a senior leadership group that gets it, that understands the economy, understands the situation, the environment. Uh, we'll push for uh, aspirational goals, and there's nothing wrong with that, so the big, hairy, audacious goal. But they do understand and have empathy for the sales team, and they actually start working with the sales team to work on how do they first cast a vision, but then how do they get the sales team on board to be part of that vision so that there's, even though there may be a massive, massive gap between last year and this year in terms of expectations, that at least have the sales team and all the senior leaders within the sales group on board, and they're all pulling in the right direction and in a single direction. Now, conversations with that sort of environment, it's a little bit easier to challenge the conversation because there seems to be an acceptance and an expectation that the senior senior leaders want to have that dialogue. So that's on the one hand. Now, managing upwards in that sort of situation, let's just be honest, it's very much easier to do that because you've got some, uh, I guess, some understanding, and you've got people on the same page. So there's a values alignment there. Probably where it becomes difficult is where you've got an environment where you've got senior leaders that perhaps are managing by absence or managing by different region, uh, and this could be different state and in many cases, different country, where they're just putting out the expectations because they want to grow the organization by X percentage, and they'll make these grandiose statements to the marketplace, and then they expect their team simply to do it. So there's no correspondence. There's no understanding on behalf of the senior leaders. There's no attempt to buy into and bring people along on the vision. It's simply, this is where we're going. If you don't like it, tough. That's a different environment altogether, but it's an environment that I want to talk about today because I'm seeing more and more of this second type of organization uh, based on the environments that I'm working in, uh, well, certainly over the last two years in particular. Uh, and it's challenging. So if you're a sales leader or a leader sitting there thinking, well, yeah, I'm actually working for one of these organizations right now. I don't feel as if I have any say. And that can often lead to feelings of, well, am I actually making any contribution to this business? Am I heard? 
am I valued? And often that can lead to behaviors that don't uh, necessarily bring out the best of us. Now, this is not what we want to be. We want to have teams. And if you listen to the Exceptional Sales Leader podcast often enough, it's all about how do we become exceptional. Now, in order for us to do that, in order for us to be exceptional on a sustainable basis, we need to have the courage to have the conversations when we need to have the conversations. Now, I've talked a lot about the fact that as leaders, whether you're a sales leader, whether you're a brand new leader, whether you are a great senior individual contributor who has influence, whether you are a senior executive or a CEO, the key responsibility, the number one responsibility of a leader at its at its core is to define what reality looks like right now. Now, you're not doing your company, you're not doing your team, certainly not doing your stakeholders or your customers any service if we don't articulate really, really strongly and objectively what is reality right now. So this is the first key point for today's episode. If you've got targets, if you've got KPIs or policies, procedures that have been, let's just say, projected onto you without any real input from you, and you're thinking, this is ridiculous, then first and foremost, we have to define reality. And the key part about this is as leaders in particular, we have to have the ability to be able to remove our emotion from the situation because if we don't do that, it can potentially impact our ability to have the conversations that we need to have. Because the first question we've got to have in establishing this reality is, is my reaction to this situation based on me? Am I looking out for what's in it for me or what's in it for my team? Or am I trying to look at this from the perspective of what is the greater good for the organization, what is trying to happen here, and what is the try? What is the organization trying to achieve, so that the organization can become sustainable? Now, sometimes we'll have a different view on that, and it's okay to have a different opinion. You don't have to have it. Even in a wonderful organization, you're going to have people who don't agree, and that's exactly what you want. You want to have robust conversations because that breeds functionality, not dysfunctionality. If you look at the work of Patrick Lencioni, when he talks about the five dysfunctions of a team, at the core of that is a level of distrust or an absence of trust that exists within an organization. And the absence of trust, if you take it right through in terms of the top dysfunction of a team, it's a inattention to results. So the incumbency sits at the senior, senior leadership team to create an environment where they can be trusted. Now, if that is not existing, it's going to have a direct impact on the results that get delivered. Now, if you've been listening to me on a podcast for a while, you know that I'm an eternal optimist. I'm always looking at the, uh, the, the glass being half full. So I like to think that in organizations, the senior leadership team is geared around wanting to do the best thing for the organization. I don't know that there'd be many organizations that have senior leaders who are purely there to see what they can get out of it. Now, you might argue that there's exceptions to the rule and you're probably correct. But in the context of this, and particularly when it comes to uh, the topic we're talking about today, I don't think there's going to be many senior, senior leaders who are not wanting to build a sustainable business because just think about it logically, if they build a sustainable business, then they're going to get so much more accolades if that's what they're driven by. They're going to get so many more long-term and short-term bonuses if that's what they're driven by. They're also going to get a huge amount of profile if that's also what they're driven by. So it just stands to reason that they've got to build an environment of trust because they are not the organization. Their team, their entire organization is what makes the organization the organization. So it's incumbent on them to create that level of trust. So that's the first thing to think about, the the trust element. Now, the other thing with this is as leaders, we've got to think about what we can do to influence that situation. How can we define that reality and influence from that reality and manage upwards, influence upwards without coming across as Johnny Doomsday 
or Jill Doomsday, because often when, and this is where the emotions come into it, if we feel as if we're not being listened to, and if we feel as if the targets, the objectives, the change of policies, whatever the case might be, that are being filtered down from up on high, if they are illogical in our brain, and if we are triggered by that to the point where we get emotional, then sometimes, just sometimes, we can respond to that in an emotional state and come across as making it all about ourselves. So as a leader, there's seven things I want you to think about when it comes to managing upwards and dealing with KPIs that you think are a little bit uh, illogical or changes of policy, procedures, objectives, whatever the case might be. And there's a whole host of examples of this that you might be experiencing yourself. So I want you to think about these seven things and think as a leader, how can I bring my own level of responsibility to this so that I can have an influence? Now, I'll put a caveat across the whole thing here. You might have the best of intentions and you might end up having conversations and having the courage to have the conversation. And at the end of the day, you still don't get the influence that you're looking for. And that's perfectly okay because at the end of the day, you have a choice to make. And that choice is as to whether you remain within that organization or not, whether you can see it from their perspective and continue to move forward anyway, or whether you choose to do something completely different. We all have a choice. Where it becomes really frustrating is when I hear people talk about the fact that they believe they have no choice. They are choosing to stay there and they're choosing to put themselves in an environment where they are now at the effect of what's been happening to them and their team, not taking responsibility for what's happening to them and what's happening to their team. So I just want to make that really clear because ultimately we do have that choice. So just understand there'll be some things that you'll come across. There'll be conversations that you have and despite your best intentions and despite your best efforts, you won't be able to influence them and that's okay. Just remember, as long as you feel as if you've been heard, you've been able to establish that level of reality and it's still you still have a, a glimpse of hope that the company is moving in the right direction, then you can make the choice based on that. So here are seven things to think about when it comes to managing, influencing, and do I say it, leading upwards. Now, these are in no particular order. I just did a bit of a brainstorm this morning just thinking about this topic and um, you might think there are certain things that grab you as being the number one thing and that's perfectly okay. So I just want you to think about these and just think, well, how am I applying these and have I been applying these? And if I haven't, can I apply these to increase my ability to influence upwards? So the first one is focus on what you can control. Now, is it true that there's a lot of things that happen within your organization, such as targets you're given, policies that are being placed upon you, et cetera, et cetera, that you have absolutely no control over? And yet, what we tend to do is we focus our attention on that and say, why is this happening to us? They don't understand, and it's us versus them type mentality that starts to creep into our thinking and therefore our conversation. As a leader, we have to sit down and think about, based on the work of Stephen Covey, okay, what is my circle of control? What do I actually have control over right now? Focus on that and really dial in on that. The second thing to think about is, is there anything outside of that circle of control that I can now influence? Can I influence my one-up manager? Can I influence a key stakeholder? Do I have a connection in the senior offices of the organization that I can just have a conversation with to start to influence or start to gain an understanding? But also understand what are the things that are concerning you that ultimately you can't have any control over whatsoever. It's just going to happen irrespective of that. So choosing where you're going to play your game and where you're going to focus your attention is a key thing. So focus on what you can control. And what you can control first and foremost is looking after your team and making sure that your team is taken care of. So creating that environment and maintaining that environment. It might still frustrate you, and that's okay, but don't let it define you. So focus on what you do have direct control over. The second thing is to check in with yourself first. And this is the big one because it's all about emotional intelligence. 
What are the things that are happening that are trigger your emotions and how are you reacting to those? How am I being impacted? How do I feel? Am I making this about me? Is there something in me that I'm getting triggered by that I'm not agreeing with that I need to deal with? Am I allowing the event to simply dictate my response? So checking with yourself first and foremost because so many times I see, and I've done it myself, I've seen a target being provided to a, to a team, I've received a target, or I've, I've been asked to do something, and I had an emotional trigger straight away, right? And if, you, if you're at the effect of that event, if you're giving power to that event, and you're allowing yourself to simply react to that event without consciously thinking about it and managing your emotions and regulating your emotions, then you'll probably, probably get the result that ultimately you do not want, and you might actually have to do some work to repair some damage caused by that emotional reaction. So check in with yourself first. The third thing is to think about how do I empathize? How do I really place myself in the shoes of the people making these decisions? Now, it's very easy for us to see the world through our own eyes and to have our own perspective based on our own frame of reference. Now, we have to understand our frame of reference first and foremost, but we've also got to understand their frame of reference. To be able to empathize is to ask questions such as, okay, what am I missing? What are they seeing that I'm not seeing? What information do they have that I'm not privy to that's leading to them, leading them to make a decision that they're making? So empathizing, it's because it's so easy for us to place judgment based on what we see through our own frame of reference. And I say this all the time to leaders, particularly when it comes to values. Don't, don't, don't judge people based on what you value. Judge people based on what they value, which means you've got to understand what they value, which presupposes you've got to actually develop a level of empathy in terms of what makes them tick and why would they be choosing to go down this path. So if you've got a KPI or a target that is that you think is ridiculous, right? Just think about it. Okay, look at it, look at it from their perspective. Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine for a second that you are the chairman of the board or the CEO of the organization and you've been given a really harsh reality check as to where the company's at, but the expectation actually to propel the company forward in the space of 12 months. What has to happen in order for the achievement of that goal? Which, by the way, could mean that the entire organization is in a much better place and it prevents people from made, being made redundant, as an example. Now, if you're able to do that and look through their eyes and see things through their frame of reference, it might just give you a little bit more information to better define the reality that you find yourself in right now. So seek to empathize with somebody. The fourth one is with the KPIs, with the targets, with the objectives. If you think they're silly, ask the question, okay, why do I think these are silly? Why do I think these KPIs have been put in place? What is the big picture here? What are we trying to achieve? What is the ultimate aim that these KPIs, these targets, these changes in policies may actually be there to serve? Now, if that's not clear, then guess what? There's a gap that exists. And the only way to fill the gap is to bring a level of curiosity to try and understand, okay, what could be the reasons as to why these KPIs, these policies, these procedures have been put in place? I don't understand it right now, so guess what? I've got to go and try and find out. And it starts with, you don't necessarily start having to have a conversation, but you've got to start the thinking process, which will more than likely lead to a conversation, and just start asking a simple question such as, is there a possible positive outcome to this? Now, Often, we will react to this, which I'll talk about, which is the next point. We will react to something that's given to us and we'll get emotional based on that. Now, if we can remove ourselves from that particular event and simply ask the question, okay, what is the positive intention of this? It presupposes that there is a positive intention. Now, if we can think about that, then when it comes to actually having the conversation, when it actually comes to leading upwards and, and challenging upwards, 
then we're going to be in a much better position and we'll have a high level of credibility when we do it. So the fifth point is just that. Don't react. Do not react. Do not be at the effect of the things that are happening. Remember, go back to point number one, focus on the things you've got control over. And what you have control over at that particular moment is how you choose to respond. So create some space to think and some create some space to try and understand why this might be happening. Now, all of those five points is leading up to that conversation. And this is where a lot of leaders fall short. They don't do this pre-work. They don't do the preparation. They go just bang straight into the conversation and they wonder why they're not getting the outcomes they're looking for. They're wondering wondering why the people they're having the conversation with are either on the back foot or they attack even further or don't even give them the courtesy of listening to them because a lot of it's going to come across as emotional and a lot of it's going to come across as being Johnny or Jill doomsday, which is not what we want. So the sixth point here is having done the previous five is to have the courage to challenge. Now have the courage to step forward and have the conversation. And remember when we're doing this, the key thing is to challenge the issue and not to challenge the person. Now we talk a lot about this in leadership when it comes to feedback. We've always got to provide feedback to a person based on behavior and not give feedback directly to the person. So it's not about the person. So when you're challenging your senior leaders, when you're having that conversation upwards, irrespective of how you might feel about that particular individual, whether you happen to like them or respect them or whatever the case might be with that particular individual, if you're going to challenge and have a high probability of getting listened to, as well as increasing the probability of getting a positive outcome, then you've got to make it about the issue. It is not about the person. So you play the ball, you do not play the man or the woman. So you've got to seek to understand. So having the courage to have the conversation means I've got to seek to understand, which means I've got to ask great questions. And it's not a case of why you put our targets up. This is ridiculous. It's seeking to understand by saying, hey, I'm really curious. We've done this over the last 12 months, 24 months. We're now looking at this. Can you help me understand the thinking process or the process you went through to arrive at this information or to arrive at this KPI? What what was driving? What's the catalyst for driving us forward. So whatever the language you want to use or whatever the core questions you want to ask, please ask them by all means, but got to have the courage to have that conversation. Now, in organizations that are great, you're going to have organizational leaders who are more than happy to have that robust conversation and they're going to expect people to challenge them. What they won't expect though and what they don't respect is people challenging them as individuals or challenging their authority. They'd be more than happy for you to challenge the issue, so challenge the KPI, challenge the target, but do not make it about them. And this is where a lot of leaders fall short because they let their emotions sometimes take over. And when emotions sometimes take over, irrationality steps in and they often end up saying things that could be construed or interpreted as being a personal attack. Now, the thing that that also you need to understand is that irrespective of whether you've got the best intentions and when you're trying to keep it separate in terms of not making it a a personal about this individual, sometimes it can still be interpreted as being a personal thing. Now, that's up to that person who you're having a conversation with to deal with, but you need to then reinforce what your intentions are. So the, the key message here is seek to understand because great leaders and organizations will expect and they will demand fierce conversations because it may well be that they are they are missing some information from the field which you might have that information that could be the difference that makes all the difference for changing a KPI or slightly adjusting a few things to make it more amenable for everybody. So have the courage to have the conversation, irrespective, and this is the key thing, irrespective of how you feel. 
And this is why the regulation of your emotions is such an important thing because you've got to be really clear on what the topic is and have that courage to have that conversation. And I've got to say, most leaders, most senior leaders will respect you for doing that. And uh, you actually might find yourself elevating uh, you in terms of your profile within the organization by having the courage to step forward, irrespective of what the result is, because that's the other thing is remove yourself from the result. And the final point is around expectations and communication of expectations. So if you do have the courage to have that conversation, it's also doing your pre-planning, and this is all the work you do before the conversation, thinking about what are the expectations that we want to put in place? What is achievable? What can we do? What sort of feedback can I give? So being able to communicate those expectations in line with, and this is the key thing, in line with the company values and the company standards, you're going to have a much better chance of getting an outcome. Now, with all of that said, you may still have somebody turn around and say, well, that's all well and good. We're still going forward with this. And from my point of view as a leader, as long as I've been given the opportunity to provide feedback, have a say, uh, feel as if I've been listened to, it's all good, right? Now, If you're in an organization where you can't do that, then we've got a completely different issue. And the issue is you've got to start thinking about whether that organization and that culture is a match for you because chances are there's a values mismatch between the values of the organization and the senior leaders and the value that you hold dear to you. Now, if that happens, you have a choice to make. And that choice is either continue to work in that organization and find a way to make it work or simply look for another organization where there's a better values match. And either way, it's perfectly okay. So the key message out of today's episode is this, and that is, as a leader, there'll be some things that are placed upon you, expectations placed upon you, targets, KPIs, objectives, changes of policies, and all the other things that come with being a leader that you don't necessarily agree with. And you've got to do do yourself a favor, do the organization a favor, and certainly do your team a favor by challenging that and having the courage to have the conversation. Now, is it going to be the fact you get the outcome you're looking for? No, it's not the point. We've got to remove ourselves from the actual outcome, but have the courage to have the conversation anyway, because that is the right thing to do. But in order to have the conversation, go through the seven steps I talked about, in particular the first five, because it's the preparation that a lot of people don't do. They just go straight into the conversation and end up not getting the outcome that they ultimately would like. So I trust that message helps. I trust that message Uh, resonates. And to Frank Papalia, thank you very much for reaching out on LinkedIn and asking me to talk about this topic. I hope I've done the topic and your question service. Hopefully it's what you are looking for. And uh, always, as always, appreciate some feedback. So Frank, thanks very much for uh, reaching out to me. Hope that is of service to you. And to everybody else listening to the podcast, thanks very much for plugging in to this particular episode. And as a quick reminder, if you'd like some help elevating your leadership to that exceptional level, you know the drill. Simply go to my calendar, leadwithdarren.com. Let's jump on a call, have a chat, and let's start working together one-on-one to help you over the next 90 days plus really elevate your leadership to that exceptional level. So I look forward to that conversation. And as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.